0: And the nurses were looking at me and pointing at me and laughing. Have you ever heard the term obstetric violence? The nurses were pulling my legs. I was trying to hold my legs up. But when the pains came, I couldn't keep hold of them. When I let go, they pulled me like this. That was what was making me shout. But whenever I shouted, they slapped me. It's when a person experiences
1: pain, intimidation, fear humiliation, or loss of dignity at the hands of a care provider during pregnancy, childbirth, or the immediate postpartum period.
0: Then suddenly, the doctor cut me. He didn't say anything to me. Just patas kala me ma capua. Quickly, he just cut me like this. I felt it. I really felt it. I shouted.
1: It includes intentional acts of emotional, verbal, or sexual violence, Obstetric practices like unnecessary episiotomies A lack of compassion or empathy towards a labouring person Or a lack of consent for obstetric interventions
0: Nurse said We can't do things according to what you want And she pulled my legs apart When she pushed her hand in, I tightened my legs And she scolded me, saying You have no problem opening your legs when you're doing it Now you can't Obstetric violence
1: occurs much more frequently than you might imagine. Often, women are not even aware they've been victims of it. That's because it's one of the most understudied and underreported aspects of gender-based violence in the world. Here in Sri Lanka, where 99% of births take place in hospitals, according to the Family Health Bureau, it's a kind of silent epidemic in our maternal healthcare system. I'm Kanya Dialmeda, and you're listening to The Darkest Light, a podcast exploring the untold stories of birth and motherhood in Sri Lanka. Thanks for being here. I started looking into obstetric violence shortly after I gave birth to my son in a private hospital in Colombo. One of the things that shocked me about that experience was the attitude of the support staff during my labor and delivery, including ward doctors and nurses. They were forceful, rude, unprofessional. I touch on some of this in the pilot episode of the podcast, smiling while pushing. For a few months, I was kicking myself for choosing a private hospital when Sri Lanka has a superb public maternity healthcare system that's stacked with well-trained public health midwives or PHMs. I'd heard great things about this cadre of public health workers. By all accounts, they were respectful birth attendants, highly attuned to women's needs, maternal in their manner, and extremely well-educated. Maybe if I had gone down the public hospital route, I wouldn't have had such negative experiences during childbirth. Then I started to look behind the glossy headlines and the impressive statistics on maternal health in Sri Lanka. I started asking ordinary women about their births. I started asking every mother I met about her birth experience. And with very few exceptions, everyone I spoke to said they had been subjected to some form of unpleasant, abusive, or downright violent actions at the hands of care providers, including public health midwives. But I couldn't find data. I was gathering all this anecdotal evidence, but I found no statistics, no papers, no studies on the subject. And then I came across one research study entitled, When Helpers Hurt. It was based on interviews with 28 public health midwives who had experience in labour and delivery rooms, as well as 38 pregnant women with previous childbirth experience. The research all took place in 10 antenatal clinics in the Colombo district, and the findings were published in 2018. This little paper revealed a very disturbing reality. Not only was there a recurrence of obstetric violence, but there was also a normalization of obstetric violence among both the victims and the perpetrators. More importantly, the study found that obstetric violence intersected with existing systems of oppression linked to social, linguistic, and economic inequalities in Sri Lanka. What did this mean? Younger, poorer women who do not speak Sinhala were more likely to experience obstetric violence ...or experience more severe forms of obstetric violence.
0: I was 28 when Matisha was born. He was born in Navala My husband was working in Colombo, in a petrol shed. So I was with my parents during my pregnancy. My mother was an estate worker. She was working in a tea plantation. Kala Bodaloa Division. That's Jessie, the same woman you heard
1: at the beginning of the episode sharing fragments from the birth of her first child. She's a domestic worker originally from Navalapitiya. It's a scenic town in the hills of Sri Lanka's central province, about 100 kilometers from Colombo. If I'm to do any justice to Jessie's story, I have to take you back about 200 years to the 1800s. That's when the British colonial regime brought hundreds of thousands of Indian Tamil labourers to Sri Lanka as indentured servants to work the vast coffee and tea plantations they'd set up in the highlands. Jesse's family are descendants of those workers, who have historically been disenfranchised, dehumanised and discriminated against. Nowhere does this show up more clearly than in the health disparities between the estate population and the rest of Sri Lanka. In 2018, the Health Ministry released an update on the health status of what is loosely termed the plantation community in Sri Lanka. It revealed that estate workers fared worse on every single health indicator, from malnutrition to sanitation access to infant mortality rates. So when you hear Jessie's story about her experience in a public facility, Keep in mind that she's speaking through a very complex, very painful history. Keep in mind that women like her once didn't even have access to public hospitals because they were confined to clinics run by their plantation companies. Keep in mind that she hails from arguably one of the most marginalised groups in Sri Lanka. One more thing, Jessie's a native Tamil speaker, but she learned Singhala when she came to Colombo for her first job at the age of 17. Since I don't speak Tamil, I conducted the interview in Sinhala. What you'll hear is a reenactment of her story in English. And it starts with her vivid recollections of her first pregnancy in 2008.
0: There was a small place, a small clinic for women from the three surrounding TA states. They tell us to come, for pregnant women to come on a certain date. Every month, they give a date. There's nothing to see there, no rooms. It's just a hall with some chairs. It's always full. It starts at 8 in the morning and finishes by 1 in the afternoon. Two doctors from the Navla Pitya General Hospital come. Two midwives also come. The clinic is only accessible by foot.
1: Pregnant women must walk along a narrow uphill path framed by tea bushes. Along the way is a small Catholic cemetery dotted with the graves of deceased estate workers. Jessie's father is buried there. Just beyond the cemetery, the road cuts left past a wayside shop. Then there's a steep climb until finally you see it. A tin-roofed, crumbling building surrounded by mango and jackfruit trees. The ground around the clinic is strewn with their fallen leaves and rotting fruits. Inside is a long hall lined with plastic chairs and at the far end of the hall, a single room where the doctor sits. Jessie said there were never enough chairs to accommodate all the patients, so she would stand in line for hours until her number was called.
0: The doctors are very quick. They are just tuck-tuck-gala. They want to finish their work and go. Did you get a chance to ask any questions? No, no, we didn't. We didn't ask questions. Most people are scared to ask. Actually, we are scared to say anything at all. Will they scold us? We don't know, no? Will who scold you? The doctors? The nurses, the midwives. Not the doctors. The doctors don't usually scold. It's the nurses we are scared of. Actually, some of the nurses can't stand the sight of us. When they even see a potto, they get angry. When Jessie said the nurses can't stand the sight of us,
1: she was not referring just to Tamil women, but specifically to estate workers. They are doubly marginalized by their language and ethnicity
0: and by their occupation. My sister and I were pregnant around the same time. She's a year older than me. So we went to our clinic appointments together. One day we were standing in line. I was ahead of her in the queue. She was behind me. And one of the nurses came up to my sister and said, Why have you worn this and come? My sister was wearing a shalwa with a shawl. The nurse said, You've come like this for your appointment? What is this? How can we check anything while you're dressed like this? And she yanked the shawl off my sister like this. Just pulled it off my sister's body. So what are you supposed to wear? A dress? Just a normal dress. Something that makes it easy for them to do their work. To check. And what did your sister say when this happened? She didn't say anything. She was just upset. She's like me. She's very quiet. Very soft-spoken. Anyway, she did her checkup in her shalwa. Actually, it's not that hard to check a woman in a shalwa. You just lift up the top and feel her stomach. And what language are the nurses speaking? Singhala. Only Singhala. Some of the doctors speak Tamil. Some of the doctors are even Tamils. But the nurses are all Singhala. Jessie was fortunate, even privileged in that regard. She's married to a
1: Singhalese man, so her Singhala is pretty fluent. But she said most of the women at that little clinic, who were predominantly estate workers, spoke only Tamil. According to the study, When Helpers Hurt, what happened to Jessie's sister reflects a fairly common trend in which language and culture, including the way you dress, can put you at greater risk of experiencing obstetric violence. Several Tamil-speaking women, including Muslim women, interviewed in the study, reported similar interactions with their midwives. Some women were chastised for wearing the wrong kinds of clothing. One Muslim woman said she couldn't read the state-issued list of items to bring to the hospital for the birth. And when she requested a Tamil version of the document, the midwife snapped at her, cursed her, and said they had already done enough for Tamils. After that unfortunate run-in at the clinic, Jessie's pregnancy proceeded smoothly and uneventfully. No more showdowns with the midwives. Until she went into
0: labour. On March 12th, around... It must have been around 2 in the morning. I felt a pain. I didn't know what it was. My first child, no? No. I got a bit scared, but my mother said, No, it's okay. That's how it starts. Let's get to the hospital. We went in a three-wheeler, my mother and father and me. In our area, the roads are very bad, no? So slowly we made our way to the Navalapitya hospital. It took about an hour.
1: At the hospital, Jessie handled the whole check-in process because her parents barely spoke Singhala. She got all her forms filled out and she was taken into the ward alone. In Sri Lankan public hospitals a labouring woman is not allowed a companion not even another woman her mother had to stay
0: outside her husband was still on his way from Colombo after an hour or maybe 2 hours the nurses come around no to do their checks so they came and the nurse tried to put her hand inside me Jessie's talking
1: about an internal vaginal exam or a cervical check which is often routinely performed throughout a person's labour to ascertain whether labour is progressing at a steady
0: rate. When she came, I said, I'm in a lot of difficulty. The pains are bad. I don't want you to put your hands and check. I don't want that. Nurse said, We can't do things according to what you want. And she pulled my legs apart. When she pushed her hand in, it hurt so much. Worse than labour pains. I did like this and tightened my legs. When I did that, she scolded me, saying, You have no problem opening your legs when you're doing it. Now you can't.
1: I later learned from the study that this refrain, shaming women for having sex, is extremely common in public hospitals, particularly towards younger women or teenage mothers. Jessie was 28 at the time, but she probably looked a lot younger. During her pregnancy, she weighed just 35 kilos. Even now, in her 40s, she could easily pass for someone in their 20s. She's tiny, with large, curious eyes and very delicate features. I wouldn't be surprised if the hospital staff mistook her for a mere child. Around 9 in the morning, they moved her from the ward into the delivery room. What you're about to hear is Jessie's recollection of a fairly disturbing scene involving a young, laboring woman and the midwife's use of force to restrain her. If you're a person who might be triggered by such a scene, please skip forward by 30 seconds.
0: In that room, there was a girl with her legs tied. I mean, she was struggling, and her hands were up above her, like this. She was holding on to a ring. She was very close to me. If my bed was here, her bed was just here. When I saw that, I got really scared. When you say her legs were
1: tied, you mean... With a cloth or a strap?
0: They were tied to the bed and the nurses were holding her. Two nurses, one on each side. Because she was struggling, she was finding it difficult so they were holding her legs open and the nurses told me, see, if you don't want that, you make an effort to push.
1: I asked Jessie to explain exactly what she'd seen because
0: it sounded so
1: strange to me. But she wasn't clear. First she said the woman was tied down Then she said the nurses were forcibly holding her legs up. She acknowledged that being in labour herself, her memory of the situation might not be the most reliable. All she can say for sure is that what she witnessed, along with the nurses' threats, terrified her because she didn't want to end up like that girl. She spent five hours in that labour room, along with four or maybe five other women, all at different stages of labour and delivery.
0: The pains were coming and coming. All of a sudden they would get bad, then slowly go down. Then again, they would get bad, then go down. When they go down, I'm just falling asleep like this. When the pains come, I'm waking up shouting. I'm dropping off to sleep and then when the pain comes, shouting again. And the nurses were looking at me and pointing at me and laughing.
1: She did say that the doctors, including the trainees on the ward, were a lot more polite and respectful, but they weren't really around much, until it came time to actually deliver the baby.
0: Then I started pushing. The doctor was telling me to push more. I was giving it my best effort, the most I could. My baby was a little fat, I think. And I'm small, no? I was very thin at that time. The nurses were pulling my legs. I was trying to hold my legs up, but when the pains came, I couldn't keep hold of my legs. So they were pulling me hard. That was what was making me shout actually. But whenever I shouted, they slapped me. They slapped you? No, I mean uh, just a little like this, (laughs) just a small shot. Yes, they did that. They were saying, keep your legs up like this, keep your legs up. But when the doctor came I wanted to put my legs down and close my legs because um I was pushing as hard as I could. Then suddenly the doctor cut me. He didn't say anything to me. Just patasgala me kapua. I felt it. I really felt it. I shouted.
1: She's talking about an episiotomy, a surgical cut made at the vaginal opening. It's a procedure that typically should involve a patient's informed consent and which the authors of the study I've been quoting say could constitute obstetric violence if performed unnecessarily or as a matter of routine. Shortly after the episiotomy, Jessie's
0: son was born. It was such a relief. I felt like some big weight had been released. I can't even find the words to explain. It was so nice. But my throat was so dry, I said, I'm so thirsty. Please, can I have some water? I hadn't had anything to drink for hours. For five hours, I was in the labour room without a sip of anything. They bought me a cup of tea. I was holding Matisha while he slept. And then his body started turning yellow and he started screaming and screaming and crying without stopping.
1: The baby had jaundice. Jessie spent a week on the ward with her son in a box under a blue light. She was instructed to nurse him every few hours from both breasts for 20 minutes at a time. But for some reason, he would only nurse from her right side. He refused her left breast, which led to engorgement, a condition that some mothers find terribly painful. It was a long week. Matisha's constant crying kept Jessie and the rest of the ward up all night. Early every morning, the nurses would instruct the mothers to bathe while their babies slept in their cots. Or sometimes a mother would tell one of the other women on the ward, please just watch my baby for a few minutes while I run to the bathroom. But Jessie couldn't do that because no one wanted to be left alone with a screaming baby.
0: I was so tired. He was crying and I was also crying. All night I just had to hold him. It was so difficult to even walk with my stitches. But I made myself walk around trying to rock him to sleep. One girl on the ward saw how much I was struggling. She had also had a baby. One night she said, Just give him to me. I'll nurse him. And he happily drank from her. He drank her milk. So I was able to use the bathroom. But the bathrooms were just... There's no point even talking about them. Everyone else would get up early and rush the bathroom. So by the time I got there, they were a mess. If the bin was full, women would just take off their pads and throw them on the floor. Just like that. Just there. So, what about your food during this time? Your meals? Okay, that's another thing. Now, the hospital food. What they gave me, I didn't eat it. I couldn't. Um, <laughs> I was a little um, disgusted by it. Why?
1: What What did they give you?
0: No, I mean, they give you greens and egg, tal. But I just, I couldn't eat that food. So, my husband was bringing my meals, string hoppers and soup. And home cook food, you know. One day he got late with my lunch. Quite late. So I was waiting for him and the nurse said, Just eat the hospital food. How long are you going to wait for your husband? Just eat it. But I didn't want to. I put the food in the bin. She saw, the nurse saw me throwing it. And she said, Why? What do you eat on your estate? Is the food so much better? Sometimes you people don't even have food to eat on the estate. And you're refusing our food? Like that, she scolded me.
1: It's an attitude that keeps cropping up in the study. This notion among midwives that the patients, especially those from lower socioeconomic backgrounds, should be grateful for the services they're receiving, should just accept instructions without question or complaint. For Jessie, the simple fact of being from a family of estate workers was enough to warrant disrespect from a public health care worker. It was almost like the nurse was saying, you can't do better than this. You don't deserve any better than this. Jessie's second child, a daughter, was born in Colombo. She said there was no way she was going to put herself through the ordeal she faced in Nawalapitiya. And her experience in the Kalubovila hospital was much more positive. Even more hearteningly, She had a much better relationship with her public health midwives the second time round. They visited her in her home, they were thorough and professional in their dealings, and they basically restored some of her faith in our national healthcare system. But she told me that many of her relatives, including her sister who had her shawl torn from her body by a midwife, are so traumatized by their experience that they're too afraid to have more children. we need to overhaul our approach to obstetrics and maternal health care. One of the things I found most fascinating about the study was that almost all the midwives interviewed expressed awareness of the issue of obstetric violence, but very few saw the need for change. Several PHMs told the researchers that, and I quote, giving clear and firm instructions about how birthing women should behave during pregnancy and delivery, was part of the role of a good midwife. Few of them had reflected on how patients might perceive firm behaviour as unfair, humiliating, disempowering, or even as acts of violence." Which brings me to the matter of bodily autonomy. Bodily autonomy is our right to our own bodies, and it is a concept that appears to be wholly absent from maternal healthcare in Sri Lanka. The practice of birthing has become so institutionalized that few women are able to exercise any bodily autonomy in the process. We are not informed about the medical procedures conducted on our bodies. We are seldom given the right to refuse these procedures. Our wishes, our consent, our own physical instincts about birth are simply not part of the system. Hospitals and providers see their job as a simple one. Removing a baby from a person's body. But birth is so much more than that. It's a complex physical and emotional process involving both mother and child. And until our healthcare system acknowledges the need for bodily autonomy in the process, obstetric violence will continue. Helpers will continue to hurt. We will continue to see a pattern in which care workers are actually harming us. And that needs to change. None of the information contained in this podcast should be considered medical advice. If you have questions about your health or your child's health, please contact a medical professional. You can also check our bio for links and resources. In this episode, Jesse was played by Kavita Vijayaraj. The Darkest Light is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout and Stitcher. Wherever you're listening, please remember to click subscribe. And if you like what you hear, consider rating our show or leaving a review. To learn more about our show, follow us on Instagram at The Darkest Light Podcast. If you'd like to share your birth story on this podcast, please contact me on the darkest light Podcast at gmail.com. The Darkest Light is produced by Devana Sena Nayaka. Music is by Kriti. Editing, mixing, and mastering by Zainab Waheed.